Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of EOD Gear Improvised. Today I have Michael Montoya, former USMC Explosive Ordnance Disposal Technician, and Stu Miller, Army 12 Bravo, Combat Engineer. And they're in the Ukraine, so they're going to tell us what's going on. So strap in and get ready to hear all the good stuff. This is EOD Gear Improvised. EOD Gear Improvised. Uh, can we get the blow stuff up yet? Stand by. Everyone in EOD has a laser calibrated eyeball and plenty of attitude to go with it. Um, seriously, can, can we blow stuff up now? Fire in the hole. EOD-gear.com. Initial success or total failure. All right. Hey, enough of this. Let's just get straight into it. Michael, Stu, thanks for joining us. Uh, what can you. You, What can you tell us? What's going on over there? Yeah, so uh, currently in Kiev right now, uh, we're in between missions. We've been running around all over the place lately, uh, assisting some of the various COD elements, both civilian, uh, government, and military. So uh, it's been pretty whirlwind, but uh, catching a little break this weekend. Good for you. I guess uh, Kiev in the spring isn't uh, quite like anywhere else. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So, you know, what, uh, basically what we're doing is uh, kind of doing our little refit and we're heading out uh, back east uh, next week to work with one of the ministries on uh, some some clearance projects, which is uh, pretty excited. We're, we're pretty happy to be here. It's, uh, it's not, uh, not the easiest, but uh, it's been a pretty rewarding experience. So you guys are kind of doing this on your own dime. Uh, I understand you guys have your, your not-for-profit, but, you know, how, how did this all, how did you guys end up here? Uh, yeah, so I actually took, uh, right after the invasion started, I took leave uh, from my job, actually, to come over the first time. Um, I've made a couple trips since then. Uh, both Monty and I are, are, uh, are self-funded. We're, we're linked up with a great organization here that's doing, doing some good stuff, but... Uh, in terms of our, our, you know, everything we brought over in gear, it's uh, either self-funded or uh, private donations. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just been, uh, just kind of been us so far. We rely on donors, and especially as we expand into uh, more long-term projects, uh, yeah, we're pretty much, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty much just been fitting the bill uh, ourselves at this point. Well, that's a pretty gutsy move, I, uh, and I appreciate you guys doing that, you know, for all of us old guys who, who don't move around that quickly anymore. Uh, so, I, you know, I have guys in and out of the shop here uh, that are in and out of country, and they're saying, you know, yeah, the toe poppers are bad, their they're, snipers are really good. Uh, what are you guys seeing specifically uh, as far as ordnance or tactics um, that you can talk about? As far as ordnance, uh, I know we've done a few posts and everything. There's, there's the whole gambit of you know Soviet Russian air kind of stuff. Uh, you know, uh, artillery, mortars, projectiles, guided missiles, cruise missiles, mines. I mean, you just go through the old book and, uh, and you're going to find it here. Um, everything in all different stages: stuff that's been abandoned, um, stuff that's uh, placed out, and then you know been recovered by units um, doing you know, uh, different EOD work out here, stuff that's been, uh, a lot of vehicles have been hit, a lot of uh, ammunition points have been hit. So uh, there's stuff in all different stages and all different conditions. 
um, scattered everywhere. And then, of course, for the fighting, it's been a little bit harder. Um, and uh, the lines have been moving kind of fluid-like. There's a lot of UXO uh, debris scattered everywhere. And then where people kind of hunker down for a while, uh, the, the minefields kind of get really prevalent in those areas. So are these, these are recent, recently planted minefields, I guess, but we still have ordnance left over from previous conflicts. Yeah, there's been, uh, you know, it's just kind of piling on stuff that's been uh, put in since uh, hostilities really started in 2014. Uh, and actually, uh, interestingly enough, there's a, an archaeology group that we've been palling around with uh, a little bit as well as still uh, in and their mission, uh, still digging up World War II stuff even. So it's just uh, layers upon layers of different stuff. Uh, just when we think we've seen it all, we, we see something new. So it's pretty incredible. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, uh, so you guys are out here. What's your, what's your primary mission? What are, you, what are you guys specifically going after? Um, you know, because I understand the UXO mission. I understand there's an EOD mission. Yeah, there's that crossover, but, you know, like, where are you guys? What's your primary focus as you're over there? Uh, it's been pretty multifaceted. At, at first, as we were getting our, our feet wet, we were uh, hooking up with any kind of unit that needed basic training, uh, awareness level kind of stuff. Uh, you know, mines have been a big problem. So, obviously, some, especially the territorial defense, uh, guys who weren't exactly soldiers uh, professionally who are now on front lines. They had no clue about uh, how to work in mined areas uh, or even working around ordnance. So uh, we really kind of started with uh, awareness level stuff but and realized that the problem was a lot greater. Now, I know that there's a lot of big money companies that are out here and they're doing different things, um, but really not a lot of guys that uh, – are on the, the front lines have benefited from this kind of training and support. Uh, so we kind of came in with that in mind. Uh, however, we've been utilized in other ways by different uh, both government services and other NGOs who uh, kind of had more emergency clearance type stuff. Um, we, we partook in a, an operation not too long ago to remove a, a some munitions, cluster munitions from a, a a village area where people were just trying to get back to normal. So it really, you know, really depends on almost day by day that the mission set changes. So we just kind of flexible and uh, we help where we can and we just keep, keep on moving around to different, different types of tasks, but no, no day has been the same so far. Yeah. It sounds like we're, we, we have great job security. Uh, so it sounds like it will be going on for a while. Uh, so what's what's the timeline look for you guys? I mean, you've been there for about a year. Uh, obviously, this is going to be protracted. I you know, and there's no telling. I mean, no telling how long it's going to take to clean it all up. But I mean, what what are you? What does the timeline look for you guys? And I mean, especially you two specifically. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, you know we had kept our trips pretty short up to this point. Uh, popping in and out be, uh, as we could. Uh, both Monty and I have moved on from our, our previous positions, and we've kind of dedicated ourselves to doing this pretty full-time. Uh, the only exception is when one of us rotates back to the States to try to grab up some more gear and uh, just some more stuff for, for 
things, you know, that the guys need out here. Uh, we run back for a week or two at a time, do a, do a turn and burn and fly back, uh, fly back out with as many bags as we can bring. So that's, we're, we're pretty in it for the long haul. I, I know that there's certainly been a lot of war tourists and things that only come over for a couple, uh, couple weeks, realize it's not for them and leave, but, uh, we're, we're pretty much permanent here now. Uh, we kind of planted the flag in Kiev and we plan to operate out of here all, uh, all year and, and really we'll see how long it takes. Uh, but what, uh, our, our thought is that as long as there's, there's a need, uh, we'll be here. So you mentioned the gear you're coming back and, and you guys know we have, we're building out some kit for you. And uh, I think you've seen some of the, some of the pictures, but, uh, you know, to everybody out there, maybe they have some extra kit laying around. What exactly are you looking for? What, what makes the biggest impact for you guys? Uh, it's, it's really the whole gambit. Um, we, uh, the, the teams we work with aren't always the ones that have, uh, you know, all the up-to-date stuff, uh, case in point, the last team we were working with down in Kherson, um, out of the 10 people we were on site with, there was a, a different helmet for every era of combat that's been, that's been around for a while, different uh, metal pot, I think just a hat on one person. Um, but it's just, uh, uh, plates in some vests, some, uh, some vests have, uh, no soft armor and, um, you know, the, you can reach into their vest and find a, like a dinner plate or something, but it's, uh, literally everything an individual needs just to operate. Uh, we've, we've brought over a few extra helmets, uh, that, you know, we've acquired through our years of, uh, contract and military time, uh, soft armor plates, um, hook and line kit. And uh, we've donated a few of the kit uh, to the emergency services down in the Kyrgyzstan region uh, with a, a few detectors. Uh, Detonation Technology uh, helped us out, and I met him in the Marine Corps uh, crossing a few different times. Great company. So he sent us with a, yeah, just a, a few reels, you know, a, a few of the, the, the non-conductive knives, some standoff sticks, just anything that, that he kind of had laying around in the moment. I said I was I was hitting over here and in about three to five days it showed up at my house and he said, good luck and, and, uh, keep in touch. And yeah, Lawrence is good people at detonation, uh, technology. I've, I've worked with Lawrence for years, so he's got great guy, yeah. great, great company, great kit. His yeah. stuff was a pretty big hit out here. Actually. Um, we, we brought some stuff for, for us and some stuff to give away. We ended up pretty much giving it all away. Uh, cause really, I mean, it, to, to piggyback off what Monty said, I mean, we work with, with teams with kind of a mixed bag of stuff, uh, even things that we take for granted, just, uh, multi-tools and, and probes and tripwire feelers, uh, things that they, they kind of make do with, uh, in limited varieties, uh, knee pads, yeah, protective eyewear. Really, it's just yeah. the whole thing. So one, one team in particular, Monty and I are trying to, uh, essentially outfit the whole team. It's about nine guys with, um, you know, we've, we've given pretty much all of our own stuff to them to, to keep them operating. And, uh, we hope to round up enough stuff. Uh, yeah, again, like helmets, everything from helmets to knee pads, to, uh, probes, knives, you name it. Uh, the, one of the units, um, uh, I mean, one guy is literally wearing a, or using a, a kitchen knife out on the, on the lanes. Another guy had a bayonet from a Mauser. It's just, uh, you know, they're literally just grabbing what they can get, you know? And I know that there's a whole lot of money and resources 
getting sent out here from all these uh, all these countries. However, uh, Monty and I are working with units that that aren't the recipients of that. We're trying to uh, you know work with guys who are not going to get any of that trickle down. So that's kind of been what the the motivation for us. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember back in the day I was using a knitting needle wrapped with duct tape. <laughs> if it works, it works. Yeah, go Navy. <laughs> so, uh, no, and that's right. It does work. But, uh, no, I, I totally get it. You know, the basis of our career is zip ties and duct tape. Uh, so I get it. Yep. So what about medical? IFAX, uh, what else are you guys looking for? A jar of peanut butter? I mean, you know, we're going to put it all in a box yeah. and get it over to you. Unfortunately, medical stuff is still uh, it still is critical. Um, certainly, with a lot of uh, ramped up operations in the east, a lot of things seem to get diverted out there. Uh, and, and there are still plenty of, of, of injuries in other places due to uh, mines and, and UXO going off. Uh, that's that's always a critical. I mean, we've brought stuff over by the duffel bag, thinking that it would last a while, and we go through it in no time. Um, you know, so one of the things we did earlier on was just, you know, we all have that one box in the garage full of stuff that we've been carrying around for years. And so we've, we've called everyone we know, extra bandages, tourniquets, things like that, that are just kind of taking up space. Uh, it gets used out here. Um, there's certainly a lot of units in need. So, uh, yeah, if anyone has that stuff laying around, there are a lot of great organizations that can put it to good use. That's awesome. Well, so I'll speak to all my peer group from all the guys back in the nineties, early two thousands, you know, go, go dig out some boxes and see what you see, what you have laying around. You don't need. So I guess you guys would take it. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I'm still, I'm still using my same M11 EOD knife I've had since Iraq. I mean, it's a, it's a that's a great knife so. though. <laughs> yeah. You, it's, it's absolutely. So I, I lost it one time in Afghanistan. Uh, left it on in a vehicle, took it to the motor pool, went back the next day, and I was like, oh, I left it there, and it was gone. Uh, two months later, I was out on a mission with some Marine combat engineers, and uh, the guy pulled out a knife to um, to to dig on a uh, suspected find, and it, it ended up being a find. And as I was coming up to replace them to figure out what to do next, he handed me the knife, and I looked down, and it had uh, my scratch, my initial scratch on, and I was like, We'll talk about this in a few minutes, and then went and dealt with a, you know, a, a two-part IED. So nice. <laughs> I was lucky to ever get that thing. Well, I'm glad you got it back. That is a great knife. Well, that's Absolutely fantastic. Is. So you guys think you're you're going to be permanent there for a while? Yeah, as, as long as we can uh, keep getting keep the uh, a little on. bit of funding. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, VA benefits only take you so far. Yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> that's but, on I mean, any it, day <laughs> yeah and then it uh it also uh, depends on op tempo the the more support we get the more people we can bring out here the more we can uh we can affect over time and over an area but uh with you know us sustaining ourselves then we do absolutely what we can and we we're pretty dang good at keeping things within a budget and and keeping things streamlined and you know maybe uh tonight you just sleep in the truck save the extra thirty dollars and <laughs> <laughs> then you can operate another day out in the field. So what's uh, what do you what's your ideal budget? What would you like to see coming in? I mean, you just said your room is probably thirty bucks a night, so there's nine hundred dollars a month just for a place to stay. Uh, 
and that's for kind of a double set of uh, like two people. Uh, we run around typically with us two, a uh, medical staff that's kind of local and a uh, interpreter driver um, that kind of volunteers his time. He can only help us so much as he's got to keep the, the lights on. So whenever we uh, take him from, you know, more than a week at a time, we try to throw him a few hundred dollars. That way it incentivizes them to kind of stick around. Uh, currently to, to run on average, it's only about 200 to $250 a day for our kind of four man crew in a vehicle. And that covers, you know, the fuel, the food, uh, no matter kind of what distance we go. Cause you know, we're not driving 12 hours a day back and forth. It, we try to, you know, get to a location that's within about an hour of the, the work of the area we're going to be at. And then for that week or that, you know, two weeks, it's just a quick, you know, hour trip in the morning, an hour trip at night. Uh, or a real frantic get out of there because uh, <laughs> the lines have shifted. Um, but uh, yeah, we, generally about two hundred to two hundred fifty dollars a day for a four man team is is uh, what it's costing us, and that's to include we just went and restocked our uh, wooden stakes and some paint and some little small things so that way we can do uh, proper lane markings uh, when we're doing access for some of the missions. It's just to try to get to something. Um, there's there's a few different authorities here in Ukraine, you know, the military, the emergency services, and of course the like you talked about at the beginning, the, the humanitarian demining sector. And they, they all kinda of operate under their own authority and their own rules and you gotta have, you know, everything to be able to work um you know, work work with them. Gotcha. So you guys are spray painting lanes. I mean would would flagging ribbon? I don't know how well spray paint travels. So I mean, flagging ribbon would that be would that be an option, or is that just is that just going to be? Yeah, that, that stuff is is pretty good. Uh, we we did a run to uh, the Ukrainian version of Home Depot today, and, and uh, scooped up pretty much everything we can. Certainly, like dedicated uh, uh, any kind of marking material. Really, it's is a we go through it pretty pretty quick as you can imagine so um yeah even like the smallest the smallest things it, it gets used it gets used quick understand so you guys have the your 501c3 not-for-profit sons of liberty international um how can we we as a you know myself and all the listeners you know what where do we go to uh donate to the cause if it's not gear if they can donate money um you know, man, maybe we can get 250 people to pony up a, a buck a day and uh, keep keep your lights on for a while. Where where do where can anybody go to uh, help you guys out? So we've got the uh, we've got the website up, Sons of Liberty uh, International dot com, and we're also we have links on social media. Uh, if people haven't heard of the organization, they kind of took us in uh, as yeah, they were a 501c3. So rather than us start completely from scratch uh they've they've helped us out here they've been around 20 since 2014 um i operated it in a lot of areas um and they've been out here since the beginning so they've been a great organization Uh, anything that comes in uh there is like a special eod related uh link uh donation link so uh, it's on the website and on social media so you can check it out there uh and of course message for more info Uh, somebody's always Somebody's always answering the uh, the messages. So if anyone wants any more information on how to help, it's uh, it's out there. Guys, that's fantastic. Again, we really appreciate everything you're doing. 
and uh, you know, just keep us posted on what's happening. But uh, you guys heard it, Sons of Liberty International dot com. Look for the EOD uh, related link to uh, donate to uh, Stu and to uh, Monty here and uh, help those guys keep the uh, keep the mission going. Uh, sounds like you guys are doing fantastic work. So uh, we'll go ahead and uh, stay on the line just real quick, uh, but we'll get this uh, we'll get this ended out. Thank you. You've been listening to EOD Gear Improvised. EOD Gear Improvised. Steve Cassidy, a former Navy EOD tech and owner, owner of EOD Gear Initial Success or Total Failure. Two locations, one in Franklin and one in Huntsville. The website is eod-gear.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Twitter. EOD Gear has customers from around the globe. Until next time, this is EOD Gear Improvised. Signing off.